92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome back to The Big Thing. There's some stuff going down, man. This is interesting. AMC Theaters is going to change... Um, Price tiers, the way that you do it like a concert. So you'll pay more for really good seats. you play less for the crappy front seats. How's that going to work? Do people like that? I don't know. Avatar's not the leader anymore. Battling it out. Knock at the cabin, doing pretty well. I'll give you my um, my little review on that movie. Indiana Jones is coming out in June, and Harrison Ford talks about that de-aging material a little bit more. How much of it is actually in the movie? It's going to be interesting. Bella, Th- Bella Thorne. I keep seeing Bella Thorne. Bella Ramsey was on my buddy uh, Josh Harwood's show and found out the news that season two was indeed happening. She's pretty excited about it, and we are too. And I mentioned um, tonight, man, I, mean, I mentioned it earlier in my other review, I'm going to see Ant-Man, Quantumania. If you want to get the, the review, you got to subscribe. you got to show a little class and hit that subscribe button. Just announce. But one of the main reasons I'm so excited is because Jonathan Majors is playing Kang the Conqueror. And he talks about, he in an interview recently, talked about his role and kind of what Kang's objective is. We'll get into that. And then this Hogwarts Legacy game, it's getting good reviews. So we'll discuss that more on today's episode of The Big Thing. So if you're part of the channel and you've been here already, obviously throw a comment in there. But if you're not, I'm telling you, just announce. That's all we're asking for here. Get all the updates, get all the out-of-the-theater reviews, the Last of Us spoiler reviews, the Big Thing episodes, the Star Wars Big Thing episodes, the Capes and Cowls Big Thing episodes, all of it and more. But you got to subscribe to the channel. So hopefully you do that. We're on video on Spotify, by the way, if you didn't know that. We are on video. Every episode that we put up on the Big Thing now is video on both YouTube and Spotify. And Apple Podcasts, you listen to the audio, you know, obviously listen to the audio on Spotify also. I got some good news about the merch. Just, guy, well, I got this, and I love this. The Top Gun guy? (laughs) Yeah, the Top Gun guy. And look at that pillow. That pillow is sitting on the couch, and it is just chilling. The goal is one day Tom Cruise will come into the studio, and we'll let him, hell, we'll give him the Top Gun guy pillow. Yeah, that'll happen. Um... Patreon.com slash The Big Thing Show. And last but not least, this episode is sponsored by Carbon Health. We love Carbon Health. 120 locations. They handle urgent care, COVID, RSV, flu testing, vaccinations. And they're also expanding into primary care services that have connected health. And if you don't know what that is, it's the idea that our health, it's not just about our bodies, it's our mind as well. Carbon Health providers come connected with mental health specialists. They are expanding their primary care services further this year. And if you're in Massachusetts, you are able, you're going to be able to access that connected care. It is now expanded from California to Massachusetts. Carbon Health is an excellent urgent care and testing center, but don't sleep on their primary care services. We love working with Carbon Health. We've been with them for a while. We're excited to keep our partnership with them because they are doing some fantastic, fantastic work. All right, everybody. That being said, let's do it. It's the big thing. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. 
What's going on, everybody? I don't know how long the show will be today. We'll cover what what I mentioned up top. Cover about the stories. We'll talk about the stories. See how much we'll get into it. And then we'll move on. I have those Last of Us um, reviews that are there. And uh, I mean, that show is just spectacular. So if you're the Last of Us fan, I'm not going to get into spoilers, obviously. That's why I did a spoiler today. That's why on Monday I've been putting the Big Thing episodes out a little later, obviously, because when I have a big show to cover on Sunday where there's House of the Dragon, it's usually the HBO shows on Sunday, um, we push the long show back. It's what we do when the Star Wars or the Marvel shows are out. We'll probably do it once Penguin hits as well. It just depends on what day that show is going to drop. I think Colin Farrell confirmed it's like eight episodes or something like that. Recently, he just talked about it. So, And then who knows when the other DC shows are coming out. We're just going to have a lot to cover. And March is starting to get crazy. We're getting, we're, I mean, the end of February is going to get nuts. I mean, I think tonight kind of starts it off with, with Ant-Man, for me anyway, on this, um, on this channel. We'll have the out-of-the-theater reaction, and then once the embargo drops we'll be able to do the uh the non-spoiler review then a spoiler review and then we'll do a full episode of capes and cows on our special kind of monday that we do covering that um and we'll cover that we'll cover cocaine bear brett and i will be covering that and then creed hits i think the first week in march so that'll probably be right as february's ending we'll probably get a screening to that so it's gonna just be it's gonna be crazy starting very very soon so there's a good time for you guys to be subscribed you know what I started watching because I knew I'm only going to have so much downtime? I started watching Invincible, finally. I worked for Skybound for over three years, and I never watched an episode, and everybody told me how great it was. I just never had the time to do it. I don't know how true that is. I, I, did, I, I didn't have a lot of time, but there were, I, I, always, I always get on people when they say that to me. Like, I didn't have time. Well, what did you do? Well, I was doing something else. Well, that's, the, that's the truth. You were just doing something else. You had the time. You could have decided to use the time differently. People are like, oh, I didn't have time. I don't have time to work on my YouTube channel. But you just watched an episode of The Bachelor for two hours. You had time. You were tired. It's another, I, I, I put my time somewhere else. So I didn't have the time to watch it. Um, so, it, but I did start watching it the other day. It, it's really good. It's a really good show. I like it a lot. I'm thinking like three or four episodes in, but I'm really enjoying it. And I didn't even realize that I had, um, I have like volumes like two through five on my shelf. I want to read those also. But I got a lot I'm doing. I'm playing the video game for The Last of Us at the moment, which is also a lot of fun. So I have, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff, this fun stuff for work, which is great. And speaking of fun stuff that I'm also doing, which is pretty great. I'm hoping that you guys, are, I'm, I really hope you come out to the February 13th stand-up show for Jake Lewis. Um, Brett and I were going to be on that show, and I thought I was going to be doing stand-up on the 19th on the other show, this one. Um, myself, Greg Alba, and John Campy were going to be doing a show of Flappers also. Just we only have the room for a certain amount of time, and we just it, stand-up just wasn't in the cards for it. Maybe next time, but definitely going to be in the cards for February 13th. Brett and I are going to be there. So if you're able to get there, if you bought a show, if you bought a ticket for this one, I really hope you got a ticket for this one as well because I'd love to see you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Brett and I, first first card that Brett and I have been on together in a long time. I'm in New York. I think we're on New York together also, but it's been a little bit. So I hope you join us. 
Uh, so yeah, just been working on a lot of different things and watching some stuff and getting prepared for this this nuttiness that's coming. I'm excited for this movie tonight. But before we get to that, I do want to talk about this story first because this was one of the first stories that just dropped right before I, I was I was going through the stories. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna look and see if there's anything else that dropped and this dropped. Major exhibitor AMC Theaters has announced it's adjusting its ticket pricing strategy so the sight lines will have an impact on price. Much like with concerts, those attending cinemas after 4 p.m. will be able to pay different prices based on their proximity to the movie screen within the auditorium. Cinema sessions will be broken down into three sections. Standard sightline seats are the most common, encompassing much of the cinema and available for the traditional cost of a movie ticket. Value sightline tickets are the front row seats and will cost less. Preferred sightline seats are in the middle of the auditorium and will cost slightly more. Elliot Hamlish, executive VP and CMO of AMC Theaters, says in a statement, Sightline at AMC more closely aligns AMC's seat pricing approach to that of many other entertainment venues, offering experience-based pricing and other way for moviegoers to find value at the movies. Sightline ticketing also brings AMC closer to event pricing typical of live entertainment events. I'm I'm really torn on this, to be honest. I don't I this could be and I don't I haven't seen anybody comment on this i haven't seen anybody talk about it it is it is legit it's almost like an uh, what i do for the immediate reactions out of the theater i just found the article said i gotta talk about this i'll bring it up i'm so curious how people respond to this because my initial thing was ah, eh, they're just finding way, new ways to make money which is true and they need to but part of it really makes sense to me I know that because we're just never used to change. We don't like change. We don't like things when they're different. And it's like, well, they never used to charge me more money for seats back then. Why are they charging me more seats? For, for because Just because they want to make money? Because they want to adjust the prices? Um, if you look at it in how they explained it with concerts and entertainment in general, why am I paying more money? I mean, granted... If you're choosing the seats now, now that you can choose your seats, why am I paying more money if there's only a couple seats left? If I'm looking up like this in the front row, then some asshole who is lucky enough to get some asshole, some guy who got who just got there earlier, um, who has the great seats, you paid a little extra for him, or you, or it just depends on again. Maybe they, this is what it said in the statement. I just didn't pay as much attention to it, but. As long as if maybe they're not raising the prices, maybe they're lowering prices, meaning, I don't know, let's say standard price is $14 for a ticket or something. The best seat is $14. And then everything under is lower. That's cool. Maybe that's a way to sell more seats. Because they're like, okay, well, you know what? The shitty seats are only like 10 bucks, and we're going to go see a movie. Unless, I, it sucks we've got to sit in this, but it's only 10 bucks might be a way to get people into the theater, the theater more so. Like, like There's some people who don't give a shit if they're sitting up like this. And my favorite seats are the ones all the way on the side. I don't like sitting in the middle. So if those seats are cheaper, great. I'm going to pick those seats every time. So it's interesting. I, I don't hate this plan. If now, if they decide that the ones in the middle are going to cost like 20 bucks. I don't I I still I still don't know because then it's like okay, you know what? I'll sit on the side. I don't want to pay 20 bucks to sit in the middle. But then somebody else is like, "Look at this. Seats nobody want to pay for the, the middle seats. They're like 20 bucks. I'm getting them." I think it's a good plan. When I saw the article, I'm like, "Ah, here we go. More money." I think it's a good plan. 
and people are going to bitch about it. And, and, and they're also, like I said, this is just my immediate reaction to it. So as I always ask you guys to put your comments into the, into the section below, someone might have a great point of where I'm going, oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. Maybe, maybe this is a shitty plan. But I don't know. It sounds like a good plan to me. What do you guys think? You think this is a good plan? Do you like what they're, what they're doing? You see business-wise how it makes sense? I mean, it's just a way. I, I think it, the, the attempt inside of the boardroom, if you will, is, okay, listen, we got to figure out how do we get more people into the theater? How do we get our ticket prices up? How do we make a little bit of money? How do we, you know, I, I really think getting people into the theater is, is the objective where it comes to, if you don't, it probably comes up in that conversation. Look, there are a lot of people who don't care about sitting there. And maybe because it's guaranteed and a lot of those are, are, are left open, and they'll, they're going to look and they're going to buy it because they can get the cheaper ticket. And they didn't have the money to spend. And how much cheaper are the tickets? I want to see the ticket prices. I want to see the tiers. Like if it's if if the really good seats that you can get now for 14 bucks turn out to be 25 bucks or something, then go fuck yourself. AMC, respectively. It's <laughs> my favorite. Respectively. Lick my balls. Respectively. Um, so... I, they can't do that because that that will cause a that will cause a rift. But if it turns, what I don't think it's going to be because it just doesn't seem like anybody would do this. Look, we're going to keep our ticket prices as, as they are. They're fourteen bucks, and I'm just using that price. I don't know what they are, but let's say let's say they're fourteen bucks normally. Make the really good seats fourteen bucks. Put the ones on the left, which are decent. Make those twelve. Make the front row ten bucks. And if that's the case, if they're going lower from the highest, I respect that. Even if they went from 14 to 16 for the really high ones, I'd say I get it. I understand. So I don't know. It's it's interesting. I think it's an interesting plan. And it, it does, and the way to, to, you know, justify it is say, look, it's entertainment. The same way you're going to go and you're going to buy better tickets for a seat at this theater to see, you know, a musical actor, a comedian or something, then why not for a movie? I, I don't know. It's not the stupidest plan. But again, I want to hear what you guys think. Let me know. All right. So Avatar The Way of Water has been knocked off uh, after eight weeks in the lead. It is no longer in the lead. It still made $10.8 million, by the way. But Knock at the Cabin made $14.2 million in its opening weekend, 80 for Brady made 12.5 million and avatar rounding out the top three at, at 10.8 avatar thus far has made a total of $2.1 uh, billion. It's a big number. And it is now uh, it's, it's, it's massive. It's in the top four. 80 for Brady though. That's, that's impressive. Worldwide made 12.5. It's the only place it came out, which makes sense. Knock at the cabin has made 21 worldwide and it's uh it's it's a big hit for Shyamalan I like the movie I really did I liked the movie a lot I thought it was really good I was it was intense it wasn't it wasn't gratuitous it kept me guessing it didn't need to rely on Shyamalan things of the past I like that he was doing adaptations I like that he adapted uh, this book I'd like to see him adapt a few more books even though I know that his last time when he tried to do the adaptation of uh, The Last Airbender that didn't go so well but this one did and everyone's talking about it, and I said in my out of the theater reaction Dave Batista is fantastic 
in this role. I mean, he's fantastic. This is his easily to me, I think his best performance so far in anything he's done. Um, and he's been good in, in other stuff. I just think he was next level in this one. And I really like what he's saying in interviews and in general. So it reminds me of like, so Vander Holyfield is one of my favorite fighters of all time, boxers. And I remember one of the things I really liked, even as a kid, when he was, everybody used to talk about most fighters and still to this day, boxers would talk about the payday and talk about, well, I'll fight this person if the payday is right. If they, if they give me enough money and then I'll pay this, then, then I'll fight this person. Then I'll do this. Oh, we couldn't find the, the negotiators couldn't find the, the, the right money. So so-and-so aren't going to fight each other. Holyfield said, who's ranked number one, who's ranked number two. That's the person I want to fight. I want to fight the person that's there. I want to, I want to fight the best. I want to be the best. I want to fight the best. And that's what Batista is kind of saying as well, too. He's always he he brought up this in in an interview recently. He talked about how when he was cast for Guardians, that about Lee Pace and how the casting director brought up Lee Pace and how he could do anything. He's like, that's how I want people to talk about me, that I can do anything. And and we had this conversation on the show, and I think we even maybe turned it into a short. And we were talking about the three like real mainstream wrestlers who who went went besides just kind of roles and uh, you know because triple h has done stuff and the undertaker and hogan and they, they all they all did stuff and obviously the late great roddy piper they'd done stuff but only like three of them had really become movie stars and that's john cena dave batista and um and the rock dwayne johnson now we talked about who we thought the best actor was out of the three of them now to your credit the audience credit every poll that i put um, all of you picked Dave Batista as the best actor. All of you. I, at the time, thought Dwayne Johnson was because they thought that there were certain things that he could do that I didn't know if Dave Batista could do. I, I have changed my tune dramatically from one performance in this movie. I think Dave Batista is hands down the best actor out of the three. Now, I think they've all had great performances. I thought John Cena's performance in The Peacemaker was next level. And his balance of comedy and drama and everything he did, he was. And I was never a massive fan of John Cena's acting before, and I am now because of the Peacemaker. Um, I was a fan of Dave Batista. I am a major fan of David of Dave Batista now. After Knock at the Cabin, he is so good in this movie. I mean, he really is. He carries the movie. Everybody in the movie is really good, and Shyamalan, his directing and the pace of it and all that is uh, is is should be talked about and admired for sure. But Dave Batista carries a lot of what is great about this movie i mean he just there's a certain level about it keeps you guessing um and he just does some he does some subtle stuff and he doesn't have to rely on dave batista isms and he almost kind of disappears even though and that's hard to do when you're as big as his ass is it's hard to just disappear and go oh well that's that's just batista he became this character and i believed him every bit of it I thought it was great, and I thought that, and and I was, I didn't know what to expect from this movie. I didn't know what kind of, I didn't watch a single trailer, by the way. I went into it just going, I want to watch this movie. I want to check check it out, see how I feel about it, see if I'm engaged. And I was engaged in the story. I was engaged in what they were trying to do, and it was small. It was a small movie, and I want to see more of these movies. I want to see them more in the in the theater. And what I mean by that is just like you don't need the big huge sets and it's just the story and the characters can take you through now it's a lot of those times it's streaming that you're going to get those kind of movies and a lot of times i'm an advocate of saying don't spend too much money on a movie like that if you're not it's going to be hard to get people in the theater the horror thrillers if done well and smaller clearly 
can work and make you a profit. Now, this movie costs 60 to $80 million. That's a massive bust. Massive bust because it's not going to get as many people out there. But it's a smaller movie. Cost doesn't cost that much to make. And and then you, you, you find yourself having a profit and you find Shyamalan again being talked about like, okay, this guy, he's a really good filmmaker when he, when he puts stuff out. This is one of his best things in a while too. Um, anyway, I dug it. I really liked it. I thought everybody involved was, was, did a great job. And I hope, um, I hope we get to see Shyamalan do some more stuff. And we will, obviously. Did you guys see it? Did you like it? What did you think overall? Let me know. I got to know. Uh, 80 for Brady, I didn't see. The screening was like a Saturday, and it's hard for me, family stuff, to get out and do stuff on a Saturday if it's not with my kids and my family, and I didn't take them to see it. But I hear good things about this movie, and that's probably why it did so well. I heard good things. Legends in the role. But, um, yeah, and, and it's counter-programming, too. And it's something for, like, I think finally for people to go, hey, I want to go to the movies. Hey, I want to go to the movies. You want to go see who? Uh, Diane Keaton, she's still doing stuff. I don't even know if she's in the movie. I don't think she is. A Sally Field is. Sally Field, she's in the movie. So, uh, I don't know. I haven't uh, I haven't seen a Sally Field picture in a while. All right, so he goes, and he takes his wife. And maybe like Sally Field, he goes on his own. He's a big Norma guy. But my point is that there's, it's, there's nothing for people older than 50. 50, no, 50, 60, to see in the movies right now, if they want to. Most people don't, in the 60s don't want to go to the movies, but, but, but they say, hey, there's a movie out that I can see. It's not Marvel, it's not DC, it's not these big comic book movies or science fiction movies, it's not any of this stuff. It's just a movie, and, and, and it got the, the sports fans out with Brady. So, um, And then, obviously, Ant-Man is going to rule the roost in just a few weeks here. But that was an interest, that's interesting. Even finally, after... Weeks, Avatar dethroned. Um, I'll tell you who's not getting dethroned. Athletic Greens, baby. I love Athletic Greens. You guys know how much I love Athletic Greens. I've been talking about them forever. And I'm so glad that you guys have been. I mean, I get I get comments now all the time of everybody who's been checking them out and everybody who's been using Athletic Greens. I love AG1. I mean, I really do. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens like every day. It's been giving me a big boost of energy. And I tried it because I'm not a big um, vitamins guy. I don't like 75 different vitamins. I wanted one. I hated taking pills and vitamins. I wanted a supplement that tastes great. And it really does taste good. I had my little five-year-old. I said, Maisie, come here, smell this. What does it smell like? She's like, ooh, fruit punch. I said, yeah, it smells like fruit punch. looks like grass, but it doesn't taste like it. And it's really good. I love it. It's the healthiest thing that you can do in under a minute. AG1 is powerful because it's so easy to fit into your lifestyle. I just put it into a, a, a water bottle. I shake it around. That's it. It's, it's great. It's an all-in-one formula. And you just you cover everything with one shot. It's delivered to you every month. Very easy to make a daily habit. And if you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. You go to athleticgreens.com slash big thing athleticgreens.com slash big thing uh at least once a video and what i've been doing is i was i'm, I'm pinning i pin the the code and everything in the first comment of the video and at least one video now i get someone saying hey i tried it i loved it and i want to see more of that because you're not only supporting the show you're supporting yourself and a lot of people have been loving ag1 by athletic green so check it out
With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you can find options that fit your budget. Because giving you options is the right thing to do. Oh, yeah, like when I hold the door for someone. Sure, it may be weird if I don't time it right, and they're a little too far away, and oh, now they're running. And we're both asking ourselves, is it worth it to run instead of just, you know, letting them open their own door? But still, it's the right thing to do. So get options based on your needs with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. All right, let's move. Speaking of seeing Ant-Man and the Wasp tonight, Quantumania, Jonathan Majors is on the cusp of being a megastar. Megastar. The guy is just so talented. So talented. And we're going to get a chance to see him in Ant-Man, and then he's obviously going to be in Creed. And buzz on both these movies is pretty high. But as far as Kang goes... Marvel Studios has released a new TV spot for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. It's got new action-centric footage of the showdown between the film's villain Kang the Conqueror, played by Jonathan Majors, and Paul Rudd, Ant-Man, and his allies, along with teasing Kang's larger plans for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The third installment in the Ant-Man series is the start of Phase 5, with Kang to serve as the main villain throughout the multiverse saga, which stretches to the end of Phase 6. Majors already made his MCU debut in the, final, in the finale of Loki last year as He Who Remains, the TVA founder who has kept the other variants of himself, including Kang, in check at least until his death, which shattered the multiverse t- timeline. Speaking with Total Film, Majors explains that he considers his Loki and Ant-Man characters two different people, even though they are technically the same person. Major says he sees them as separate, unique variants and has adjusted his performance to match the energetic, high-strung, almost cheery remains is replaced by a much more stoic and cold Kang. I'm so radical about my language around it because I say he who remains is he who remains. I don't even call him Kang. He may or not be a Kang variant. I leave my mind open to think that Kang the Conqueror may be a he who remains variant. It has to be that lucid for me to keep it going, but no, there are no similarities between the two. I did play Kang the Conqueror second. I didn't even look at the He Who Remains template regarding Kang on purpose. Talking more about the differences between the two variants, Major says Kang is all about efficiency and won't waste time on uh, trivialities. He adds that much more serious and sinister approach impacts Rudd's performance in the film in general. I mean, he's hyper-intelligent. It's it's one of the superpowers. His brain function is just greater than even the smart guys. He's on that level. And the gravitas is a necessity. It's Kang against the world, and at least that's his point of view. There's no frivolity. Kang himself is very economical. He understands energy. He understands time. He understands what it is needs uh, to survive. He doesn't suffer fools, which is interesting because he's not going to say anything about Ant-Man, but Ant-Man is a jokester. He's a funny guy, and now you've got Scott Lang going up against Kang the Conqueror who does not joke. He does not have a sense of humor, and you'll discover that, but he does not joke. I love how he made that a. Uh, a point to, to say, by the way. He's a very smart dude. Um, the, upcoming, the upcoming sequel will introduce MCU newcomer Catherine Newton taking, talking, taking, talking, taking over the role of Cassie Lang. Bill Murray appears as Lord Krylar and William Jackson Harper as Quaz. Um, so much here. I love this dude. I love Jonathan Majors. It's, it's one of the, it's, it's one of my, my cross my fingers hoping to get an interview with this cat because he is, I love what he's doing. I love how 
everything about him, the way that he, the way he just dives into a role, studies the role, studies the performance, studies, like really looks into it. And you hear him talking about it. Like he's invested, like he's been, he's invested and hearing about that. And I think that one of the main kind of criticisms um, about Marvel lately is it's been overly jokey. And I've definitely been part of that criticism. Right. And it has been at at points. I'm going to make a point about phase four again in a second. Um, But as far as, uh, that that comment goes like he doesn't joke Scott Lang does that's the kind of balance that I've been looking for I've been looking for that kind of balance right it's like I don't mind jokes inside of Marvel I don't think anybody does I think you got to have some of it in Marvel but it's a matter of who's saying it it's like if, if everyone's joking it be, like Thor it becomes a comedy and she's like a kind of a Saturday Night Live it's it's not it there's no balance to it it was one of my issues with Ant-Man 2 is that it seemed like everybody was was telling jokes and hardly every maybe Evangeline Lilly was the only one who wasn't really cracking jokes um but and and Guardians 2 a lot of it got better on a, on a rewatch but same type of thing where people just kind of handing out jokes he made it a point to say that Kang's not joking you want him in a joke that's, that's his personality um but all of this and the idea and, and the, what he said about and so I'm rewatching the MCU, by the way, with my daughter who's watching it for the first time. And we're on Loki right now. And so she, we'd have to skip, we had to skip over a few things in phase four because I'm taking her with me to see Ant-Man. And I figured the stuff that she just needed to see in phase four was um, WandaVision, uh, Loki, she's going to try to get to multiverse before we go, and then No Way Home. Those are the ones I think... Loki is the one you really need to see for this. And, and even though the two different characters from what he said beforehand of the fact that every, what happens at the end of that show, it's so relevant to how Kang starts showing up now and the variants start showing up. So, but what I wanted to say about phase four is this, um, it is easily my least favorite out of the four phases, right? Like then I think that's not anything that anyone else hasn't said. However, I will say this after the rewatch though, there is a lot of good stuff in it. Like the shows have been, the shows are pretty, a lot of the shows are pretty good. Um, like it started off with a bang, man, with WandaVision, Loki. I mean, those are like those movies were, or shows were, were really big and, and really good, like really good. Um, and then, you know, there's some other things. Like I still, when, when Hawkeye, when I watch Hawkeye, I think that gets a little bit more, in the campy side of things and then not looking forward to watching Thor again. I'm not looking forward to watching um, uh, multiverse again, but, and then I think, yeah, I guess even though technically black widow is in a, is a phase four movie. If in timeline wise, it really should be a phase three film. Right. So um, all of that, there is some good stuff in, in phase four for sure. But I think it's, I think it's, I think the biggest thing is that it's just a bit messy and five starts with quantum media. It starts with the introduction of Kang and how devastating he's going to be, but they need to set up rules. They need to set me up because I'm, I have gone away from a stance that I had made earlier of when we were talking about him. And I said, well, what I hope doesn't happen is I hope that he just, he doesn't get defeated because if he gets defeated, it's going to take away from, 
his power. And then I think it was, it was Winston who made the point. It's like, well, not really, because like there's infinite amounts of him that are going to just keep coming back. And he's just going to keep learning from it. So you, you take him out in this one, but who's coming back the next time over? By the time he gets to the Secret Wars, what's that going to be like? He's going to keep learning. He just can't get rid of this guy. Um, so I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Um, so I don't mind. It just depends on how they how they do it. I hope they don't do you know some cliche stuff that I'm worried about on how they're going to treat Scott Lang at the end of this movie. But we'll we'll see. Fingers crossed that it doesn't have that way. I want to be I want to be fooled. And I'll find out from immediate reaction tonight. All right, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about Indiana Jones. I want to talk about Ford talking about the de-aging stuff. He's mentioned it before. He's talked about how he was kind of blown away by it. But this is something, again, the upcoming Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny marks Harrison Ford's fifth and final outing as the iconic archaeologist and adventurer character, a role he first played over 40 years ago. Holy moly. Whilst the majority of Dr. Jones' adventures took place in the late 30s, when the character was also in his late 30s, the new one unfolds in 1969 with Ford playing a 70-year-old Dr. Jones. There is, however, an extended sequence that takes place in 1944 when the character is aged 45. As a result, the production team uses artificial intelligence and de-aging technology to digitally shave 35 years off of Harrison Ford's face. The tech has been used in various works before and sometimes has been stellar, such as Blade Runner 2049 and Ant-Man, where other times it can get rather patchy, such as in the young De Niro scenes in The Irishman or young Downey in Captain America Civil War. Appearing on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert this week to promote his roles on 1923 and Shrinking, Ford elaborated on the process that went into de-aging. That's my actual face at that age. They have this AI program. It can go through every footage of film that... Lucasfilm owns because they did a bunch of movies for them. They have all this footage, including film that wasn't printed. They could mine it from the, where the light is coming from the expression, but that's my actual face. I put little dots on my face and I say the words and they make it. It's fantastic. The actor recently reaffirmed his stance that the fifth indie will be his last speaking at the premiere of shrinking the other day foretold variety. I always wanted to do it. I always wanted the rest of the story to see the end of his career. It's the last time for me. Um, so, I'm usually a pretty big advocate for for deep fake over de-aging when it comes to stuff like this. Um, but they did mention in that article the Michael Douglas de-aging, and I think the the Kurt Russell de-aging in Marvel's pretty good too. Um, those are some of the best examples that I've seen. A really bad one that I was the one of the worst that I've ever seen is was in uh, Samaritan with with Stallone. I mean, it was terrible. It was one. Of, it was terrible. It looked like a really like bad video game. Terrible. Movie was fine, but that that ending uh, that freaking uh, yeah the the de aging it looks terrible. Um. So. I think though, and and yeah, I can the Downey one in Civil War. I think the the fix on that one is that it, it's supposed to be using the 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 Jake Gyllenhaal technology so it's supposed to look a little techy so that one that one I always gave a pass but the um but the two that really stood out were Michael Michael Douglas I just watched it recently it's fantastic and that was 2014 well movie came out 2015 I think movie came out so that was like seven years ago so I think they and the Luke Skywalker one in Mandalorian was that was de-aging, and then deep fake for Luke was in Boba Fett. 
And to me, the deep fake was far superior and looked so much better. Um, the deep fake allows you to essentially use a different actor and then stick the face of it. But this is actually the, the de-aging part of it. What scares me about it is the same thing they mentioned, the Irishman. Like, hopefully, hopefully it's a mix between the two. I don't know if it will be. Because Harrison Ford is a, you, you can't, you can't de-age a body. You can't de-age movement, you know? And that's one of the things that really stood out about the Irishman was that slow old man stomp and looking like he's 28. And it's like, dude, that looked terrible. It took me right out of it. Um, but we'll find out. I mean, the, the de-aging they showed in the trailer looks great. I'm excited. Indiana Jones to me is a movie that um, it's my most anticipated. I put it on my list. And that's because of... Obviously, my generation, it's it's a movie, like, I, the, the first one is still Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of my favorite movies of all time, and then Last Crusade, and then Temple of Doom, those three, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not a Crystal Skull fan at all. I really appreciated Josh Robert Thompson's take on it when he came in, of the way that he looks at it, with that kind of old school, kind of B-movie feel. I just, compare, comparing him to the other ones just doesn't do it for me, so this coupled with the fact that Mangold is doing it, the trailer, I I was as excited or close to it, close to it, I won't say as excited, but I was close to that level of excitement watching the Indiana Jones trailer the way that I was the Force Awakens trailer and that that's the feel that I've been looking for for an Indiana Jones movie in a long time. And that's, that's similar to what I felt when I watched the Force Awakens. It was that we had had the prequels and we hadn't had that kind of the trailer looking like, you know, connecting to the original trilogy and this to me seems the most indiana jones that i've seen since the last crusade could be mistaken once i see the movie but who knows um what do you guys think you excited about any indiana jones do you want to see it do you think it's going to be good go ahead and comment i want to hear all right this one just dropped and this is awesome and i gotta i'm gonna get freddie on to talk about this one in the wake of the success of last year's Scream revival, Sony is dusting off its horror franchise from the same period with plans for a new entry in the I Know What You Did Last Summer franchise. Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. are reportedly in talks to reprise their roles in the project, which is still in the early development phase, but will be a legacy sequel that passes the torch. In the 1997 film, it followed four young friends bound by a tragic car accident in the cover of the body of a fisherman. They are reunited when they find themselves being stalked by a hook-wielding maniac, the thought-dead fisherman in their small seaside town. Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Philippe, uh, Brigitte Nielsen, Anne Heche, Johnny Galecki, and Muse Watson co-starred in the original, which was a smash hit, $125 million off of $17 million budget. And it was a less-received sequel, a barely-known standalone third film, and a poorly-received Amazon series adaptation. Neil Moretz is in talks to return as a producer with Liam McKendrick on board to write the script, and Jennifer Kalen Robinson to set to direct the project. I, I think this is a smart idea. I really do. And I think, um, and, and I was, I remember, I remember being in college when, the, when that first one came out and my friends going, you got to see this movie. And I, and I, I was a, um, I'm not, you guys know, maybe you don't know. I'm not like a massive horror fan, the slashers and that thing. This was a fun movie for sure. Um, but then the second one came out and it was like, they were just kind of milking it. But me aside, this article nails it. If they can do what they've been doing for Scream, because Scream has now had this revival because Scream, I thought, was a, lack of a better word, dead franchise. I was like, what are you doing? you just really enough with this. And they 
are fast and furious in it. And the sixth one to me, I can't believe it. And I, even the fifth one, I think I was, it was on my anticipated list. But the sixth one to me looks great. That trailer was fantastic. The last one, I loved it. And I'm like, man, that does, you got this old sourpuss going, oh, I can't wait to see that one. So this is a smart idea. And you get the, but you got to get the original cast back and they'll probably kill him off. But I got to, I'm curious to talk to Freddie about it. Freddie's supposed to come in soon. So I'm talked, I want to talk to him about it because Freddie likes hanging out, playing his games, playing D&D, working on his, you know, his wrestling organization. He's starting his own shit now. So that's going to take some time off to do if he's got to shoot that movie, but that's also more money in his account that he can do this shit. And that's probably the answer to it, but he probably also wants to do a good script and he wants to, he wants to make it work. He's got nothing to lose. If I'm him, I'm 100% doing that. He's got nothing to lose. He's doing, he's doing great. I love Freddie Prince Jr. By the way, he he's, he's, I can, I'm, I'm happy enough to call him a friend now and he's just a fucking chill dude. Like I, I, so when we do these bits, by the way, which I, have told you guys before in the past we we put up we put a full playlist up of the comedy and times we lost it just a bunch of goofy idiots a lot of times it's brett and i roxy's in there you can find the playlist on the top but the reason i bring that up is every single time one of those bits hit i send it to freddie progressive presents adjusting to the suburbs i never thought about space in my cramped apartment but in this house all i see is empty space the sofa and ottoman look like tiny islands in a sea of hardwood floors. I could get two ottomans in the living room, but then I'd need another sofa. <gasps> I could tell people I'm into minimalism. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.